70 gallons. 68 gallons, 40 liter. Stay down at 500 feet to leave fuel for 40 minute fighting time over Dunkirk. This, this is Stoneman, negative on that. We're gonna need at least enough time to listen to the new episode of Off Screen On Film. Save enough to get back. Hello, hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Off Screen On Film. Um, I know a lot of you were were desperately waiting to hear the the podcast that will change the industry, the Amongst Friends podcast. Unfortunately, um, Pinchas had a last minute scheduling change, so he was unable to join. So that podcast has been pushed again to next week. It will happen. Pinchas will be back. the The Three Musketeers will be will be reunited again. But for this week, we decided, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had another episode out to our to our listeners. And so we decided to go with a little bit of a timelier episode with a Christopher Nolan themed episode. I, if you're paying attention at all, Oppenheimer came out this weekend, um, as well as Barbie. It's been a very big box office weekend. In fact, actually, um, I don't want to misquote. I think it's the fourth biggest, the fourth biggest box office weekend of all time. Really? Um, yeah, it's a really big box office weekend. This is the first time ever that there's been a movie that opened 100 million and another movie that opened 80 million. So Oppenheimer was the 80 million. Um, Barbie was the 100 million. Obviously, we're going to discuss the Oppenheimer side of things. It does feed into the Barbie side of things. If you've been paying attention um, for the past, I don't know, even as far as back six months, even longer, depending on how like online you are in the kind of the movie industry stuff, like the kind of Barbie Hyman. Barbieheimer memes were were going on for a while. Um, yeah. Neither of them moved their weekend release date, so they kind of were going to either clash or both um, go to you know new heights together. Um, the only real casualty seems to be Mission Impossible. It's kind of gotten railroaded. Yeah. It's kind of gotten railroaded. Um, I, you, know. you know, I'm curious. I'm curious actually, as a side point, while we're talking about this, like I, who picked that release date first? I wonder. Like which studio? It's, <laughs> and then the other unclear. one, the other one was just like, okay, we're I remember go for it, it might have been as far back as a year ago. A different podcast I listened to discussing this kind of like murderers row of of Mission Impossible. Like there was Indiana Jones, there was the Flash. Right, like right, those are all yeah. potentially big releases. And nowadays, like release windows are a little bit different. Like to harken back to the ET days, you know, so that's forty years ago. ET was mm-hmm. in theaters for an entire year. You know, movies now are lucky to be in theaters for three months. So the the runways are much different. And so usually they don't like to contend against other big movies, which makes sense. Um, Here, they didn't seem to care. So bravo to them. I've actually seen Barbie. We won't be discussing it this episode. Um, Alone might see it in the future. and We might discuss it in a future episode if you want to check out my written review um, you can check out my letterbox. My friends have been telling me to plug my letterbox more. So that's at Colonel Stones, um, Colonel underscore Stones. That's that's where you can see all the written reviews. Any movie that we review on this podcast, I'll have my written review and as well as other movies. So you could check that out. Also, while we're doing a little plugging, we want to again plug the Twitter. It's at Offscreen yeah. on Film. Please give us a follow, like, retweet, etc. And we want to thank everyone who's been listening. You know, the support's been really lovely. We've been getting um, nice feedback. People have been really being very supportive. So we're very appreciative to our listeners. That's another reason we wanted to make sure to get another episode to you as soon as possible, because 
listen, well, we would do this even if you guys weren't listening, but you are listening. So yes. it motivates us even more to to keep to keep doing uh, God's work, so to speak. So exactly. <laughs> today we are going to talk about the 2017 Christopher Nolan movie Dunkirk. I had never seen this movie. I planned on seeing it in preparation for Oppenheimer out of respect for the uh, the work of Christopher Nolan and to really have the context going in of his previous work going into Oppenheimer. Um, I have not yet seen Oppenheimer, and I'll explain a little bit about that as well later when we get to the Christopher Nolan section. But um, alone, you know, you mentioned you like Dunkirk a lot. That's part of the Mm -hmm. reason I thought it'd be a good idea. It's timely. You like the movie. I hadn't seen it. Everything kind of converged. Give us a little, you know, we're going to do a little spoiler free review. The movie came out six Mm -hmm. years ago. We'll do a couple minutes spoiler free and then really jump into discussion. So why don't you start us off? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I guess overall, um, my favorite genre of movie, of movies in general is probably war movies. Um, uh it's either that or or animated which i know we were kind of talking about yesterday is that a genre animated but you know until we can make a definitive decision on that i'll say that it's between war movies and animated movies um as my favorite genres and um and dunkirk for me so it came out in 2017 uh there hadn't been i remember when i saw it thinking and just you know overall i i really do like the movie um, I rated very highly, both in terms of Christopher Nolan's body of work overall, um, in terms of war movies, uh, and just in terms of movies in general, especially if we're to take sort of the last decade uh, as a time frame there, I, I do rate it very highly. Um, in term, you know, I'm not going to assign a number to it, but it, it, it it's up there for me. I really do like it. Um, but when I, saw, so when I saw it in 2017 and I saw it in theaters, I saw it in theaters the opening week, it came out. Um, I remember thinking after, like, I really haven't seen a new release war movie in a long time um, that had really resonated with me. So Dunkirk, for me, kind of brought the genre back into, um, it it, it almost reignited a flame in me in terms of war movies. And it caused me to go back and watch a lot of the older war movies that I like, um, that I love, as far back as you know, The Great Escape, which you and I have spoken about um, a couple of times by text and, you know, things like Saving Private Ryan, um, you know, so classics like that. Um, so it, it it really sort of at the time, I remember it jolted sort of, it jolted awake this, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this love of war movies that I have. Um, so like I said, I think really highly of it. Um, I know it's a spoiler free, so I don't want to get into too much, into too much detail um but uh you know i'm a big christopher nolan fan in general uh like really big um so for me to for me to sort of say that this is one of his one of his best um uh you know i'm not going to say it's his best because because the dark knight really does have a a special place in my heart um but uh you know i really do love this movie i think it's one of the great war movies um you know like i'm sorry i really do think it, it could be one of the great war movies of all of all time i really do kind of believe that um i have to you know we'll flesh it out a little bit more at, you know yeah, as we get into the spoiler sure. part but overall love the movie if you haven't seen it you really should see it so that's so, my high level spoiler that's, free that's good I, I i like that i i hadn't seen this movie like i said people are sometimes surprised 
like you know i'm on a movie podcast now i've obviously liked movies for a long time they're like why haven't Mm -hmm. you seen dunkirk and i and i'll discuss this again more when we get into the nolan stuff but for a little bit i had a little bit of like oh everyone loves nolan like he's overrated i don't want to watch nolan stuff i had a little bit of that i've let that hate out of my heart and Mm -hmm. and and, and let love take its place and have opened my eyes to cinema so like i'm able to appreciate certain aspects of it but another part of this movie is that even though the critical it's got critical acclaim through the roof a lot of my close personal friends did not like this movie and that therefore made me never really rush to to, to watch it um I, I finally watched it i have a a complicated opinion on it and what i mean by complicated is i think that it does what it sets out to do I do not necessarily like everything it's setting out to do. And what I mean by that is, so the, the for the for the number, I gave it a 78. I gave it a cinema. It's definitely cinema, high level in terms of that stuff. The, the movie is meant, it's, it's like an experimental movie in a sense. It's not meant to be about people. It's not a meant, it's not a meant, it's not meant to be like about people's backstories. This, that, it's meant to be tense. It's using sound and visuals and an absence of sound at times to be tense and using interesting kind of non-linear story storytelling to be tense. Um, and this movie is very tense and it's, and it's exhilarating that since you're, you're waiting to know what, what happens next. I didn't find it boring. People told me they found it boring. I did not find it boring. What I did find is it's a little bit soulless in the sense that I personally, since it's not about characters, not about anything like that, I, I really had no connect emotional connection to the movie. Now, when we get more into the later discussion, I will say that after reflection, you know, I like to wait between 12 and 24 hours before I write anything. Um, this time I couldn't wait 24 hours because we're recording, but um, I waited around 15 hours, let's say something like that. And I, I, on reflection, there is some more thematic depth than I originally gave it credit for. But like I said, this movie does exactly what it sets out to do well. And for that, I have to give it credit. For that, it does it, you know, at the highest level. But that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it. And so when I score movies, again, as silly as it is, um, in terms of number, that factors in enjoyability and quality. So I actually want to double check that I uh, that I actually gave it a 78. I'm pretty sure I did. Let me Let me just double... 78 yeah same score as i gave same score as i gave avatar 2 for reference for for different reasons but both technical achievements in their own right um so that's my kind of high level thoughts on it there's a lot of things that i thought were very good but like i said at the end of the day i'm more tied to movies that give me like an emotional kind of core and this didn't have that and that's that's okay that's not what it's for I, i kind of compare it more to a roller coaster it's an experience it's an experiential movie it's very visceral i never saw it in theaters i do think seeing this on imax and a big screen probably makes it a little bit more enjoyable because like i said it's like that thrill that excitement it's almost a little bit like um like a horror movie in that sense where it's like it's really all about like that that visceral kind of tense building up tension seeing what happens next um it's not about like telling you why there there's a war it's not about telling you um any of that stuff so that that's like my high level review in terms of would i recommend it um i think if you're a chris christopher nolan fan it's kind of like required watching i i don't i I wouldn't say it's the most appealing mass audience movie i'm kind of like thumbs up thumbs down like thumb in the middle a little bit like it was it was fine i don't really it didn't really move me as much in terms of where it lands in his movies for me and again like I, i liked it like it's pretty good but 
Um, it's towards the bottom for me. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. He just has made a lot of good movies for me. I think the really... It's near the bottom. The My least favorite of his is the last Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises. I really don't like that movie that much. Um, this is is better than that. Um, it might, so it might be my second to least favorite. And now I've seen all of his movies besides his first one, which we'll, we'll discuss later um, following. So I, now I guess we could just move into the more the more general discussion, unless you want to say anything before we go spoilers. Yeah, I'll t- I, you know, I do want to say a couple of things before we go into the spoiler part of it. Um you actually touched on an interesting point um, when you said, I mean, I haven't seen Avatar 2, but when you when you kind of compared the two scores and, you know, you were both kind of, the thing that you keyed in on with both of them is that they were kind of experimental um, in, in what they did and uh, technical achievements, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's an important part of, of the the Dunkirk story. When I say the Dunkirk story, I mean the story of the movie, not yeah, for the sure. actual you know story from from 1940. And what I mean by that is, again, as someone who really likes war movies um, and has seen a lot of war movies, uh, this this movie really changed changed the game. Kind of um, maybe that's a little bit dramatic because there hasn't really been anything since then that's that's um, even really attempted to do what Christopher Nolan was doing with this movie. But it 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 took a it took a it took a, a war right World War Two which has been you know how many movies have there been on World War Two right um, and it took a genre the war movie genre um, and it really kind of put a unique spin on it so for me when I when I said earlier that it that it ignited that flame in me I think that's part of it also right it was such a it was such a fresh it was such a fresh concept and that that's really why I loved yeah. it also I think it's also like I said before, it's not about, there are characters in the movie, right? There are people that mm-hmm. you're following, but it's really not about those characters at all. It's about like no. the group struggle. They're kind of like, they're kind of replacement level characters. It's, it's meant to be like this person can represent basically anyone in that situation for the most part. Not now, again, right. not every character, but that's the idea. It's like, yeah, we're looking at one boat with Mark Rylance and, and, um, mm-hmm. Barry Keoghan, who, by the way, I didn't know was yeah. in this movie. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> so, like, like we're looking at one boat, but at the end, there's, like, hundreds of boats, thousands of boats, you know? Um, so the point is, like, it's representing, like, like a cross-section of that moment, and we're seeing these specific people's stories, but the idea is it's supposed to apply to everyone. And I think that's an interesting way of telling a story. Um, and like I said, there is, uh, when we get to more of the discussion, there is this depth that I didn't necessarily appreciate on first thought, but I think it's there. It didn't necessarily change how much I enjoyed the movie, but I, I give it a little bit more credit in that sense. Also, this movie is in very much in the vein of war movies that are like not glorifying war. I think that's very important. I, now, what I mean by that is, is like there are there are war movies that are like cool action movies, which are good, but then there are also war movies that are like war is like terrifying and scary and soldiers aren't like cool heroes most of the time they're like 22 year olds who are really scared you know um so there's a lot there's lots of movies like that um and this is very much in that vein with none Mm -hmm. of the sentimentality so you mentioned saving private ryan before right saving private ryan very popular great movie made by steven spielberg can't he cannot get away from his sentimentality and in that movie it has one of the most egregious framing devices in a good movie that I could think of where it's like you, you start with him old and you end with him old. And it's like, yeah. this is like to make the movie not as like vicious and brutal. Cause the very next scene is like the most brutal depiction of D day yes. ever. 
And like this movie does not try to do that. This movie's like, no, this is like war is like scary and stressful and like um there are wins and there are losses and there yeah. are kind of it's and so that it's it's interesting. Like, like I said, I think like I'm happy I watched this movie. But yeah. I think for a general audience, like if I was recommending movies to my friends, I, I this wouldn't be a movie I necessarily recommended. Um, that, that, no. that makes me even more eager to discuss it because we really yeah. have we have this, different this opinions, could, and I'm, I'm we have different we, opinions, and yeah. this is the first one of the three that we yeah that we've done right now where there seems to be a real divergence here. And what's interesting is is that I'm kind of glad that I knew that you loved it, and I knew that my friends didn't love it because it kind of. It, it may like if I just knew everyone loved the movie and then I watched it, like my opinion would be different. But I've heard varying opinions. Right. That's why I try to stay away. Like I haven't heard any reviews really for Oppenheimer. I've stayed away from all that stuff because I like to when Likewise. I watch a movie not like have like basically any opinions on mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, um, I haven't seen any of the new clips, the new this, the new that. Um, you know, I mentioned Barbie before. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna watch Barbie, don't watch any clips. Don't watch anything. Just go into the movie. Right. Um. But now back to what we're actually talking about. So we're going to get into spoilers. So just like last episode, refer to the description below. There'll be the timestamps and you could jump to the, to what we discuss about after um, the spoiler discussion, which will morph into a discussion of Christopher Nolan. And then we will discuss if you liked X Christopher Nolan movie, we recommend Y um, and then we'll wrap up, etc. So Avoid spoilers, hit the timestamp now, and we are activating spoiler mode. Where do you want to start, Alon? Um, so, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, actually. Okay. And this is something I thought about right before we jumped on, is, you know, so taking Dunkirk, it's, there's sort of, there's three main, there's three plot lines, right, yeah. happening at, uh, that are intersecting um, throughout the movie. So there's the beach itself, I think they call it the mole, right? The mole, um, yeah uh there is the dog fighting uh you know the aerial uh the aerial yeah. sort of battles that are happening uh and then there is the civilian ship right yeah uh, which you touched on before with you know the mark rylance uh uh plot line yeah so i'm curious what, what which which of those three threads let's call them you found most compelling um because for me the answer is very is is very um definitive right uh, I, and i've thought that this is the fourth time i've seen it either the third or i think it's the fourth time i've seen it and the, this answer has never changed for me so i'm curious it, what you think I, so okay i'm gonna say i think the mark rylance one is the worst of the three that's what i'm gonna say okay because i think it tries to do certain it tries the most to have like characterization humanization and it does it but it doesn't like do it in it, it's hard to do that, right? It's like I don't really spoiler, like we said before, Barry Kogan dies like in the mm -hmm. most like dumb way ever, basically, which is meant <laughs> yeah. to, which is meant to be also like, you know I, I'll save that for in a second, but sure. That so to me it's like that's good, but it of the three, I think it's the it's the worst one. Now the Tom Hardy Air one has like the least but it's also the most compelling and i think it's the most satisfying ending so i'm going to rank that number one and then the mole okay. is number two one thing i had so just something you said the three um the three storylines so 
if you're listening and you are aren't aware, Christopher Nolan is obsessed with time. He's obsessed with time as a concept. He plays with it in a lot of his movies. The way he does that here is that there are three storylines that start at different points and take place over different amounts of time, but eventually converge in the third act in, in what he calls his snowballing effect, where the mole apparently takes place over a week, which I was a little confused about because like, they don't show us nearly enough. Like they don't show us a week worth of time. They show us like a day. Well, it feels like a day of on the mole, but okay. I think they try to get away with that by showing a couple of, by showing some night scenes. Yeah. It felt like Like, to make it clear that there's like, you know, there is, you know, significant amounts of time are passing, especially relative to the other two threads. So the Mark Mark (laughs) Rylance water takes place over a day and the, the dog fight takes place over an hour. Um, like I mentioned, I, I find it the most satisfying. But what I mentioned before with the hidden depth ties into this. This movie's a movie about juxtapositions. I, I don't know if you've noticed this. The characters all juxtapose each other, right? You have you have the person, you have the brave, the cowardly, you have the the hero, you have like the guy who doesn't really know any better. And they're all kind of tied together if you look. So to me, the cowardly, in a sense, is is the Tommy character. He doesn't really get named, but mm-hmm. his name is Tommy. He's he's yeah. sort of the the main character if you want to say. He 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 appears in the very first scene. Beautiful scene by the way. The first scene is is probably the most beautiful shot in the movie when the papers are falling down and they're just walking. It's like a low shot kind of 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 the French like town. Very very nice shot. He's the first character you see. He is like he's cowardly and i'm not i'm not saying that in like a negative way necessarily because like he's in war of course he's scared but like they pick up an injured body just so they can escape the beach like they're not trying to be heroic in that scene by saving that body they're trying at least in my interpretation my read of it is they're trying to run to get that boat so they could so they could get off that beach he's with his friend who i i i I kind of coin him the person who doesn't really know any better because they reveal he's french right he doesn't really know exactly he's also cowardly but he's a little bit He's got a little bit of a different thing going on. You have the other coward, who's a coward in a different way, and a little bit he shows more growth than the Tommy character is the the Harry Styles character. His his yeah. growth is when he's, you know, threatening to kill the Frenchman and then sort of tries to save him a couple minutes later by like tapping him on the back before he yeah. drowns. Yeah. Um, and then the hero is the heroes really, or the brave people are Mark Rylance as a hero um his son is a hero you mm-hmm. have the tom hardy character is a hero but then you have other characters you have the broken the broken guys like uh, killian murphy he's he's like shell-shocked and broken he's just he's just there right he's juxtaposed with the heroes then you also have he's also juxtaposed with the guy who's just like along for the ride barry kogan who's like kind yeah. of there just for an adventure but you have the juxtaposition of like why would you come on this adventure like war's awful right yeah and then the final shot really encapsulates this the best in my opinion where you have they're on the train and Harry Styles is all like oh my god they're going to hate us we're cowards he's all like sad right as we're seeing um Tom Hardy trying to let, he's finished his mission successfully he's finished his mission successfully more or less uh, Harry Styles has felt like they failed their mission right they're both kind of traveling Harry Styles is on the train um and Tom Hardy's crash landing onto the beach Okay. He then gets greeted as a hero. Okay. He gets greeted by a hero. People are handing him stuff. They're all like, like happy. The troops are home. And what do we see? And and he's, he's still sad about it, but then he gets happy about it. 
Tom Hardy yeah. is very satisfied looking when he's burning his plane, but who does who yeah. comes to greet him? Ger- German officers, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, so to me, that's that's cinema. That shot, that's cinema. Like that that last sequence was great. I mean, like mileage may vary on him, like reading the newspaper, like how yeah, you might feel yeah. about that, but that I accept is like, it. That's I a very good like juxtaposition, and that adds depth because that's there throughout the movie. That is there throughout the movie. And so the little moments of characterization that do exist that when I was first viewing, I was like, well, like, like, why are they trying to like, why are they trying to characterize Harry Styles as like not being mean here? Or why are they trying to show me that Tommy is like sort of principled, but also also cowardly? You know, he says to the friend, he says when they're threatening to kill the French guy, he's like, he says, I won't stop you, but it's not right. So he wants to do whatever's best for him, but he sort of has morals, but sort of not. You know, he might be the least moral in a sense because he knows what's right and wrong, but he's not willing to fight for it. And so there's all these juxtapositions and they're very subtle and and every little part of it's crafted well. So in that sense, I, I do appreciate it. You know, like my friends, the, one of the jokes they say is like, it's a silent movie. And in the very, the first scene is very quiet and he sees the French guy for the first time, right? And the French guy's putting on a dead guy's uniform. You're not you don't yeah. understand that at the point at the time, but looking back yeah. on it since it's a well-crafted script, you 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 see those those hints. He doesn't say a word to him, he just looks at his water bottle and the French guy hands him a water bottle. Yeah, yeah. And when you're first watching it, you're like, Oh, like this is like this is like like poignantly silent. Sometimes the lack of noise is more effective than any noise could possibly be. But then you realize it's it's so well it's well crafted because he's French. So you think he's doing one thing, but he's doing a different thing. Or with right, Tom Hardy, yeah. Tom Hardy and the dials, right? The first time you're introduced to Tom Hardy's character, they mention, you know, leave enough gas for the way back. And you know that he's not doing that because he's he's going to accomplish his mission. So there's the well craftedness of the movie, and that leads to these these cool juxtapositions. Um, I, I don't exactly remember what your 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 your, your prompt question was. Oh, is which ones do I like best? So I yeah, like the air which best. Was- yeah, I, th- I think the air best is the thread because it has the most satisfying conclusion. I think the Mark Rylance one is the worst. So the the middle one being the kind of the mm-hmm. one that I think we get the most time with, which is the the mole. What about you? So I I agree on the on the first one. Um, to me, the air, you know, the the Tom Hardy scenes, the Air Force scenes, uh, however you want to refer to it as, that is the best. That is the to me that's the best part of the whole movie. I felt the tension of the movie the most um, at those points. I, 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 the ending was satisfying as well. I agree, um, but I really just thought Tom Hardy was excellent. I know it's it's kind of a weird thing to say because he's covered in a mask the whole time, right? You're not really seeing his face. Similar to sort of, <laughs> yeah. I guess Christopher Nolan likes to do that, right? Like he likes yeah. to, he doesn't like Tom Hardy to show his face, um, but. I thought he, I, there was just something about those cockpit scenes with him, um, just down to the, I, I don't know, it just him in the with the chalk, just jotting down how much time he cool. had left, how much, how many gallons of fuel he had left. Right, I just thought it was a cool. I thought it was great filmmaking, to be honest. Um, the music scenes lined up perfectly. I thought with a lot of those, um, with all those do- those dog fighting sequences. Yeah. Great, great music. Um, and- I mean, this, the music in I'm, general is, yeah. and like, I mean, I mentioned time before, but a big motif in the movie is like a clicking of a stopwatch mm-hmm. in all the music, yep. you know, and all the sounds. So it's like it, it's it's it makes you it makes you tense. Like you're there, like, oh, what's going to happen next? Even if you don't yeah. like exactly care about the characters per se, you care about what's going to happen next. Um, what do you think about those juxtapositions? Have you ever noticed that? I never 
really thought about it actually, but you know, as you were breaking it down, um, it, it it's interesting. I was kind of thinking in my head. Well, maybe each thread sort of does have their own their own hero, their own coward, if you will, right? Yeah. Uh, preface comfort of our uh, <laughs> of our home, so we're not we're not judging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're. It's also I, I wanted to add that the only uh, thing. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the only one I couldn't think of all in the mole, right? Yeah, I think you down really. Um, I think Tommy. I don't. It's coward. I I wouldn't say he's more cowardly than anyone else. Everybody's lining it to get on a ship and to get off. He's just being a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's more than right? like a little bit. There's a little bit more. Um, yes, yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I would say with the Tom, you could you, you could argue more. Yeah, like yeah, I, 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 I was going to say you that. could argue more that. Let's call him. I think. I, I think. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Like he's not. When I say cowardly, it's like, like. When you kind of at first, when they pick up the body, you're like, "Oh, they're being, you know, they're being good civil, good, good soldiers." But then, like a minute later, you're like, "No, they just want to get on that boat." Like, and right, it feels so yeah. like usury, you know? They're using this dying guy to like get on a boat, and it's just like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> another big. It's hard to dispute that is that boats, at least in World War II, are awful. First of all, torpedoes and and planes take them out yeah. instantly. Second of all. Normal yeah, guns yeah, yeah. were taking out that boat. Uh, boat travel. Thank God I'm not traveling on boats because <laughs> yeah, boats, are, boats is, are so bad. Because that torpedo might blow me up. Yeah, this movie's not a good advertisement for the sea. No, like, no, this is this is sure big. <laughs> this is he owns he owns shares in Delta, and he shorted he shorted um yeah Carnival cruises or something like <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It, I'm like. The second they get anyone got into a boat, I'm like, oh well, they're dead. <laughs> like yeah, that's, yeah. that's all I can think about. Like, and well, it's kind dead. of, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, every single boat kind of. It seems every single boat that was in frame, except for the civilian boats, were just yeah. getting down. To, I mean, which I guess is a little ironic, but yeah, no, I you're so you're right. I mean, they kind of were using that that dead body to 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 get out. Um, but I saw Gibson, as they call him, I think in the credits, right? Mm -hmm. That the Frenchman. He's to me more of the the typical cowardly kind of character in that thread because he's kind of abandoning his own his own yes. country right like like he's he's really running away yeah whereas you know the the british soldiers are, are retreating I, I understand and it can kind of be construed as the same thing but sure. to me it's a little bit different but you know what he yeah. goes to save those people on that boat when that boat when their boat gets torpedoed, that's true that's he good, goes to that's save a them good point actually and that's a good point that's that's kind of why I think he's heroic. Al, Harry Styles' character, who really like, he's just a jerk, kind of like throughout. But like, yeah. he's he's interesting. I know people kind of thought he might be able to act from this role. I'm not saying he can't act, but like, he really doesn't do much in this movie. So I don't know. Like, I, my, like I don't know really. Tom Hardy. I'm, I I like Tom Hardy. He's one of those actors who. You don't necessarily see him in tons of things, but when he pops up, yep. you like him. So, like, I don't know if you've seen Peaky Blinders. He's great. Yep. Um, he's he's iconic as Bane, even though, I mean, I don't necessarily love his take on Bane from, like, yeah. a character perspective. But, you know, he's... We're aligned on that, by the way. What? 
We're aligned on that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just not at all what the character. Because you were saying earlier about Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. But anyways, I, like, you know, he has a different movie where it's kind of also like a one-man show. There's a lot more talking. It's this movie called Locke, I think, where he's in, it's just a whole movie. It's him in a car ride driving to the, he's basically driving to the hospital um, to be at the birth of his illegitimate son while the rest of his life falls apart. And it's all told through, like, his phone calls with people while he's, like, trying to, like, sort out his life. That. Um, it's like it's an interesting enough movie. It's not like it's, I'm not like giving it like a recommend, cool, but it's like yeah. a cool concept movie. And like, I wonder. I'm jotting it down. I I'm wonder besides the if they had worked together, if he was like, oh, Tom Hardy in an enclosed space, like not given so much to work with. Like, yeah, he could do that. Um, I want. I'm trying to think of other things that really stuck out to me in the movie. Um, well, I want to talk about the the Harry Styles thing actually because oh, yeah, yeah. you touched on it. I, you know, it's interesting. I, so I said earlier that my, when we were talking about the threads, I, my opinion on it didn't, hasn't really changed that much over the series of times that I've seen it, over the few times that I've seen it. This rewatch, you know, in anticipation of this recording, I actually was a, much more irked by Harry Styles than I had been in past. It's not that I think he, he isn't a decent actor. I actually think his, from just an acting chop standpoint, he's actually pretty good. But the character, the character that he played, um, I, I'm forgetting the name, but the character that he played just seemed a little bit, almost, um, just like kind of seemed like a schoolyard bully in a sense, especially in that uh, in that boat scene where yes. the Germans are firing on to, to sort of create those sink the you know to, to to try and sink the ship as the tide comes in. But um, I don't know. It just was. I I thought that was actually kind of the low point uh, the of the movie, also, and I never really had thought about it before. The the train yeah, also. He's such it, like a jerk. He's like he's so like he, his whole tone is very like oh my god they're not gonna like us. Like it was very, <laughs> it was very, it was very weird. I don't know. I, I he wasn't. He didn't like take me out of the movie or anything. But it was just like okay, whatever. I and it kind of seems weird to me because. I don't know. Christopher Nolan doesn't really, you know, I'm trying to, I'm thinking just quickly through all of his movies, right? Um, there's never a wasted character, really, right? Everything is very deliberate in what he does. Everything is very tight. Everything is very well constructed. And just, I, I don't really, the, the Harry Styles character in this movie kind of, I don't know, what was the point there? But they could have done that storyline without him in some way i understand you're saying, the you're to saying be someone... necessary basically and that's he's one of the characters yeah. they, he's one of the characters they give a little growth to because like i said before he basically offers to go back he kind of like saves tries to save the frenchman the frenchman drowns anyways but he has like that mo there's a couple characters that have clear moments of growth quote unquote he's one yeah. of them where it's very subtle but not very subtle but it's very small but like he goes and basically like hits the frenchman when the boat's sinking to be like hey come along and then um, Mark Rylance's son is another one who has a moment where earlier he's a little bit harsh towards towards the, the Killian Murphy. Is it Killian Murphy? It's Killian Murphy. K Killian Murphy, yeah. Yeah, um, towards the Killian Murphy character. And then when, when Barry Keoghan's character, George, I believe his name is, passes away, he doesn't tell him that he's dead. Giving him, like, right. be, showing, like, some signs of mercy there. Yeah. Um, which... I, like that's meant to be growth for him, you know. Not yeah. all the characters necessarily 
get any growth. You know, like I'm going to give another character that I felt like I was just like, I wasn't exactly sure what his point was. Is the um, Kenneth Bernas? He plays like yeah. the the officer. He's just kind of there yeah. to be like to to give the few lines of exposition that like and look important. And the whole time I'm like, am I missing something? Like, oh, to, uh, yeah. to say that when he's talking, by the way, and throughout the movie, it's very hard to hear dialogue in this movie. You have to make the TV. I have to make my TV very loud. I don't know if you noticed. I didn't that. notice it, but I didn't notice it. But um, I mean, it's it's just like you were saying. It's kind of a quiet movie in general, right? So maybe that's just you think you're not hearing things, but really maybe. there's nothing to be heard. It's also, there's there's <laughs> a lot of like 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 loud like music and plane sounds and boat sounds like that overpower a little bit. I think the movie is trying again. This is like going to sound silly, but trying to make it feel like what it feels like to be in in that situation and like i said before it's a movie about a situation not about people in the situation so it's it's meant to be hectic it's meant Mm -hmm. to be loud it's meant to be uncomfortable intense um yep it's meant to be you know people are dying left and right you're not knowing everyone's name the names aren't really important so it it captures that aspect well and like i said but you were talking about like every there's not a wasted thing in in the in the script and i agree i think it's a very tight like everything comes back to matter basically that that's brought up anything they bring to your attention anything they mention explicitly that i could think of comes back yeah. to be to matter now it's not like some crazy twist or you know in a nolan movie very often there's like a twist or a reveal yeah. or like you watch it the second time around and you're like you could see all the breadcrumbs they laid and that's sometimes the most enjoyable thing i think for this there is some of that in watching this but i think it's more for like the like the rush of watching this type of movie um it's interesting because he i don't want to jump into the christopher nolan discussions i'm going to hold i'm going to hold that point we'll talk about the movie a little bit more yeah yeah no it's interesting i think what you're saying is right and i think what you're saying is intentional it's hard to find character growth because um there isn't that much character focus right the idea of the movie is to i think to convey the gravity of the situation itself whereas when you take some other some other war movies, um, you know, I gave two examples. Okay, let's say that's Saving Private Ryan, right? That movie is more of a character study, right? Um, yeah. And that movie is more of an adventure movie, I'd say, right? Um, even though it's it's very serious in its tone, obviously, and it's incredibly hard to watch at points. Um, it's a completely different. It's a completely different. Um, all of the movie is completely different than what Christopher Nolan's are trying to accomplish here. Even in a movie which came out a couple of years before this, which is, you know, but I'm just trying to think of war movies of like the last decade, was Fury. I don't know if you saw that. I one, never with, seen it with but Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf. It's good. It's good, but it, it's more traditional kind of when you think of a war movie, you know. Here's a group of where heroes fleshing out the characters, yes. and you know, this is the hero, right? Here's a group of heroes, but this guy's really the hero of the heroes, even though they're all here, you know. So, yeah. it, I, I again, I kind of like going back to the point that you made in the non-spoiler portion of this, right? Is I like that there's a that this is a different angle. This is really letting the gravity of the situation yeah. speak for itself, and yeah. I think that's what makes it unique. And the other thing, I, you know, the other thing I wanted to bring up, which I found kind of interesting, and I never thought about until this rewatch, um, 
is that it's a lot the runtime is a lot shorter than I than I thought it was. So it's a pretty tight hour 45 minutes. Um if you would have asked me before I looked at before I watched it again yesterday, I would have said this movie was well over two hours. Uh, I never really even thought about the runtime because it, it and I'm saying this in a complimentary way because yeah. I know you and I both don't mind long movies at all, right? Especially if they're good movies, obviously. We don't long runtimes don't 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 bother us. Um, but this one felt felt really long, even though it was only an hour and 45 minutes, which these days is kind of like a short movie, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we just got off of Mission Impossible. That was almost three hours. I think Oppenheimer, which neither of us have seen yet, is also three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think that's that's a real testament uh, to, to Christopher Nolan to really feel like as a viewer that he has fleshed out this entire scenario so so fully right and in such an engrossing way and to do it in such a really it's not that's not a long runtime for a war movie right um i i found that that kind of caught me off guard i was like wow this is this movie is only 105 minutes or whatever it is like that's i really thought it was longer it's interesting i like i said before there wasn't really any moments that i was bored like there was only one time that I like paused to see how much time was left. And I was surprised that yeah. I had 30 minutes left, but it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have 30 minutes left. A little bit of the behind the scenes of this movie. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, but um, he originally, so like he was inspired by this, by, I think he took like a boat recreation tour of this, like okay. of Dunkirk and then inspired him. And he wanted to make a movie. He wanted to make the movie and like all the dialogue and everything be like completely, um, like ad-libbed basically and they're like no you can't do that you have to like write a script and so he wrote a 78 page script for this movie which is by far his shortest and that's what he turned in that's the script that ended up being turned into the movie so it's 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 a unique thing for him as well where it, it like i said before it's a little bit of an experimental movie and yeah. i feel comfortable saying that because a i thought it and b when i was doing some research for the for the episode today he referred to it a little bit as that as well, where he was really being like, I don't want to have any of this, like this character's backstory. I don't want to have any of that. I just want you to be yep. like, you're in the, in the moment. And yep. there's that. And I mentioned before of, of movies in the spirit of like wars, harsh wars, bad. What came to yep. mind for me was actually a book. There are movie versions of this book that I, I've not seen. Um, one came out recently and it's supposed to be pretty good. Me and alone both discussed off podcast how we both tried to watch it and happened to mm. fall asleep. Not necessarily saying it's bad, just it's it's in a different language, and you know you have to be a hundred percent in the in in the zone yeah. when you're watching a movie like that in a different language. So uh, all all quiet on the Western Front. There's a earlier version in the 1930s, and so I I was thinking of the book because the book really is about the horrors of war and and the people who really die in war versus the people who make the wars what they think war is versus what war actually is and not saying that this touches all those topics but it reminded me of that at certain points where you had like people just like walking into the ocean and like the you saw all the all the um it's towards the end when you see all these soldiers helmets like scattered across the beach things like that and on wikipedia you can see a list of what um christopher nolan like what he watched before like making this movie and the original all quiet on the western front was actually one of those movies so i felt kind of you know vindicated that's what i thought of when he uh when he brought that up um what's actually also interesting obviously it's no surprise this movie's a big critical hit like again take critics with a grain of salt like it is an artistic movie so they're gonna like it so if you don't like this movie like that's fine 
The yeah. audience score is still pretty high as well. This is a well-liked movie. A lot of people like it. Um, what I find pretty interesting is that I would not consider it a, a particularly mass appeal um, movie, and it made five hundred. It grossed five hundred fifty million mm -hmm. at the box office. I have it up. It was a budget of. It was a budget. Where is it? it was a budget of of a hundred million, and it, it grossed five hundred twenty-five million internationally at the uh -huh. box office. So. That's it a pretty well. penny. Did very well. You know, did yeah. pretty, pretty good, you know? Yeah. So people, and again, in a couple of minutes when we morph into the Nolan conversation, we'll, yeah, we'll discuss yeah. more about that. But yeah. You know, I want to touch on something before, yeah, before we get into that more general uh, Christopher Nolan conversation is, is what you were talking about earlier about how, because I, I had the same situation where there were friends and family who either loved it or like, were vitriolic in their hate of it and it and i and i just i never i don't you know i'm all about okay everything is you know art is art it's objective right if yeah. you know just because i love something and you don't love it it doesn't mean it's one way or the other right um but to like hate this movie which i really did and i think you you said the same thing i really know a few people who around the time when it came out, they were very eager to see it in theaters. So it's not like they went in with this, like, I'm going to, I don't, you know, I don't like war movies or I, Christopher Lund's overrated or I just, you know, but they came out of it and they're like, I really didn't like that. Um, I think, I think they I, just found it boring and the tension I, aspect doesn't do it, do it for them. Like they want, I, like, I guess, they want talking, but... they want characterization. That's like the main complaint. Like I have a friend who's like, <laughs> I have a friend who's like, he was like, I didn't expect to sit down and see a silent movie basically. And... <laughs> I, I mean, like, <laughs> I get I that know. as a bit of a I get that as a bit of like a joke, a shtick, but I didn't really. I don't know. To me, it's so tense and it's so, yeah. and it, it's not boring at all. Like, I, 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 listen again, it's all subjective, so you know, I, I, I can't. I guess I can't fault obviously well, anyone for what I can understand more is mm -hmm. being in my camp than the hating camp. I kind of like am a little bit lukewarm on the yeah, movie overall, but I right. appreciate the movie making aspect of it a lot. Like I, yeah. Like I appreciate those aspects too. Too like he does cool things, but again, like what's really the most important thing to me with a movie, um, at the end of the day, especially if I'm recommending it to someone else, is the enjoyability. There's one movie that comes to mind since I've been, you know, scoring reviewing movies. Um, it's a movie called A Prayer, A Prayer Before Dawn, and it's a movie about like a guy who's in Thailand and he gets arrested and he's like a Muay Thai fighter or he's like a boxer and he like. He's also like a drug addict and it's like a very like tense, like anxiety inducing, like isolating movie. Cause like it was shot in an actual like Thailand prison and like all the characters like are speaking, I guess, Taiwanese. Is that what they're speaking? I Thailand. think. Uh, I is that what they speak in Taiwan? Thai? I don't know, actually. <laughs> they speak Thai. They it's speak Thai is the answer. We sound okay. very, uh, you know, dumb right okay. now, but they speak yeah, Thai, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. In Thailand, they speak Thai, yeah. Yeah, Taiwanese is Taiwan. I, I think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We we talk. We know about movies, not languages. You know. To yeah. Each, yeah. Each their own. If we had Pinchas here, he would have been able <laughs> yeah, to tell us that know. right away, <laughs> and he would have told us the capital and like who the yeah, president yeah. is or something. But so like it's a very isolating, weird, like uncomfortable, like tense movie, and it's really well made. But I just didn't enjoy it that much, and so like I don't give it such a high score. I give it a pretty low score actually, because I just didn't find it enjoyable to a lesser degree even in this movie so like that does exist where it's like this is real it's like i don't know if you've ever seen the show party down but um i haven't no whatever great show so in the newer season that just came out one of the characters is like a chef who wants to be like an artist but she makes like 
bad tasting food because she's like food's not supposed to be good it's supposed to be experienced you know right, so right, it's okay. like <laughs> like you know just because someone makes like the most pristine food in the world doesn't mean i'm gonna yeah. like it you know right, what I'm saying? okay so right. and, and this again this wasn't like i actually kind of like this movie i'm glad i definitely yeah. glad i watched it but i'm not i wouldn't i'm not like going to bat for it is is what i mean and it's i just don't understand like the full-on hate um, I right, understand okay, the love. Right. I understand the love a lot more yeah, than I understand right. the hate. Um, yeah, you but... have a pretty balanced. I think you have a pretty balanced position on it. I mean, seventy-eight is not exactly a. It's not a low score, right? Like that's a that's a good score. But I think you, you know, just and just knowing your sort of the way you look at movies, um, I I would imagine that the the, the technical aspect of it and the you know the craftiness of it is probably what's propelling that score higher than in terms yes. of being okay the plot of this is amazing like I, this is just edge of my seat i think for you yes. right i mean maybe i'm wrong no no you're, you're right but it's like those things only give you like a certain amount of points like i don't have usually when a movie's so well crafted i don't need to like think about like like i don't need to think about all the things how well crafted it is it's just there right. that you notice like the extra right. good stuff and That's so this movie point. there's like a couple yeah. scenes that like like the ending scene, for example, I think is great. Like in terms of just how it looks, and he's burning the plane and all yeah, that. It's, it's really cool. And like the ger- the German officers are like that's... blurred out; you don't see them. Right. It's right. very cool. And like that, like that, like pushes it up a point. For example, you know, or as an example, like um, to to me, that's just like such quality move direct yeah, just, like just said, quality movie making I, I right? have it like, written i have it written in my notes you know my famous we're going to refer to the famous notes and i wrote yeah um burning plane with paper being read at the end hardy on the beach cinema <laughs> that's what i have written cinema. That's, that's, that's the end of that sentence. cinema so I <laughs> so like that's to me like again the movies that i am generally interested in and that like compel me more are not necessarily this type of movie and, and okay. I got, and not that I don't like war movies, but more right, that right. I like, I generally am more drawn to story movies and movies that are like making me feel emotional and things like that. That's generally what I'm more drawn to personally. And sometimes, sometimes Nolan's able to do that in his movies. Yeah, like he's definitely able to do that in his movies. And and I think this is going to be a nice transition um, into the Nolan section in a minute. Sure, but. Um, Nolan does that in his movies, and I think that's sometimes what makes his makes his movies not just good and artistic, but also like quality movies that I really enjoy. Now, like I said, we're gonna talk a little bit about Christopher Nolan, his kind of his kind of seat at the, the top the, right now of of Hollywood. The legend of Christopher Nolan. I mean, yeah. to quote my friend today, um, I was texting him about Christopher Nolan. And his his comment was he is him. That's what he said. He is him, as as the youth say. So <laughs> I, like I um, the he really has he right now sits on the throne of being a quality filmmaker that also is a box office smash hit maker. And you know what? His rise to the top is more interesting than I think I realize. I'm gonna I'm gonna just read the name his movies and years, and and that's how I'm gonna start this conversation. Okay. Um, Go for it. 1999, he made the movie Following. He made it on a budget of $6,000. It made $240,000. Small, intimate movie. From there, he went to Memento. Um, Memento came out in 2000. $9 million budget. So massive jump in budget. $39.7 million movie. Very, very influential. Very cool. Kind of also a movie that messes with time as in terms of the storytelling. 
2002 Insomnia. Insomnia is different. Insomnia was his first big studio movie. He did not write the movie also. Um, he really Or produce it. He just directed it, I believe. That movie made... Um, that grossed $13 million, $113 million on a $46 million budget. Then this is what's interesting. I did not realize he had done so only like those two big movies essentially before mm-hmm. getting Batman Begins in 2005. Then he gets he gets given I mean, $150 million. Like he, right. like, like he gets given that $150 million. He earned not, not given. I take that back. He earned that $150 million. Yeah. But you know what's interesting also? Batman Begins. Not nearly the critical success I would have imagined. I don't know what box office numbers were, and like they're not inflation adjusted. It only made three hundred seventy-two million dollars. Which really? on what was the budget? One hundred fifty million. Now, so it basically didn't make money. Uh, again, now I want to almost double check it because I feel like that number's wrong. Right? That number can't doesn't right. even sound right. Um, it can't be right. Unless it was a box office disappointment and, and people no, it made three yeah, it made three hundred and seventy three million or something. I mean, so it basically didn't make any money, no? I guess not, but it was the second right? highest grossing you... it was the second highest grossing Batman movie of all time of of all time behind Tim Burton's Batman, um in, in nineteen eighty nine. But yeah, like we've talked before how like big blockbusters you want to make like you wanna you wanna three X your budget to be like a big success. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. that didn't seem to stop him because then the next he was then given forty million for the prestige, which is a smaller movie. I didn't realize it was only a forty million dollar movie, and he made one hundred ten million. That's, so that's a nice, okay. nice return, good movie. It's a little bit. I mean, no Christopher Nolan movies are slept on, but of I think that and Insomnia are sometimes a little bit more slept on. Insomnia, especially, I think Insomnia is his most like underrated movie because I don't think it really has any of what you think of when you think of a Christopher Nolan movie, but I, I think it's very good. Al Pacino, if you don't know anything about that movie, I would check it out. I would not look at the trailer. I would not watch, read any posters because they reveal something that's not a spoiler, but the movie's better if you don't know it going in, in my opinion. Don't look at the cast. Don't do any of that. Um, then The Dark Knight, obviously, $185 million, on a, and then he made a billion dollars on that I mean, in terms of box office gross. A billion. Then Inception, really 160, they grossed 826. Dark Knight Rises, 250 to 101 to not 101 to 1.1 billion, and then Interstellar, mm-hmm. 165, six made 677. Dunkirk, 100 million, like I said before, it made 525 million dollars, which to me is is pretty surprising actually. And then Tenant, Tenant, which came out during COVID and may or may not have had COVID delays, 200 million dollar budget. Only three hundred sixty-three million dollar return, and um, like I mentioned in the opening of the episode, Oppenheimer has so far exceeded expectations at the box office. So he's like as good as it gets in terms of prestige. Like he's a sure thing. Like it, it's also, term- it's not just a sure thing though. He makes movies that are like considered like highbrow to some extent. And what I, I don't mean like they're not like art. They're not like artsy yeah, like art yeah. house movies, but like they're considered like. Movies that make you think a little bit. Now, this is where I'm going to issue my apology to Christopher Nolan. Okay, for for years there was there were there was some hate in my heart. I didn't like. I was a little bit as a teenager, a little bit of a hater. When when everyone liked something, I could admit I I was a little bit like it can't be that good if everyone likes it. I was a little bit like that. Very foolish mindset. I'm glad that I moved past it. But 
Was it a what is it was it a hatred of? But it wasn't a hatred of the work itself. No, it? I liked his movies, but right, like I liked the movies I saw. But it's like people would be like, "The Dark Knight's the best movie ever," and I'd be like, "I like that movie right, a right. lot, but like <laughs> yes, it's not yes. the best movie ever." You know, that's like, my that's my that's my great cliche. Uh, that's my great cliche downfall that I'll, that I won't let go of. And listen, that movie's great. <laughs> um, Pinchas partially ruined that movie for me by we watched it so much <laughs> that one time, um, we were watching it together. And like he just was like pointing out issues with the movie. I was probably like thirteen or something, and it's yeah. crazy, um, <laughs> as you can imagine that he would make yes. do. Um, yes, but uh, we miss you, Pinchas. Please, please return to the amongst yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, for the we, amongst we, friends episode. We need you. Um, we need you to defend yourself here. Also, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm taking, I'm taking on, I'm taking you know, shots at him while he's not here. But yeah. Um, I think it was more around the Interstellar Dunkirk era where it's like I was like, oh, these movies, like, especially Interstellar, I'm like, oh, it seems like so like, you know, high on its own supply a little bit, but it's really, not, when I watched it, this last summer, when I watched it and I opened my heart for real, I opened my heart for real to to these type of movies that in the past, I was like, this seems like, I don't know, like faux intellectual movies that people like to think are smart so they watch it so they could sound smart and then me thinking that i'm smart saying that even though it's the dumbest thing to say like i was like a reverse i was like reverse snobbing them interstellar is a phenomenal movie it's not it's really not about whatever its concept is it's a movie about a father and daughter that's what that movie's about that movie's beautiful that movie's about family i love that movie and so i now have opened my heart to to christopher nolan and the world loves Christopher Nolan. Now, some of what's going on now with this, like this movie seems to be a little bit fueled by like the Barbie memes. It must be because like this movie's it's this movie ostensibly is not seem like box office gold. It's it's a biopic about the atomic bomb that's three hours long. Like it does not seem like it's like Inception, like that's a cool concept. This not necessarily as much, even as much as I'm interested in it. You're muted. You're muted alone. Um, I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, but I think it would have, even with all, all the Barbie memory that's that's like going around with the with the Oppenheimer stuff, I think it still would have been a huge draw because he, no. Christopher Newell, Christopher Newell, sorry, Christopher Nolan movies. I think they are they're events, right? And we were talking in, in the last episode when we were talking about Mission Impossible, how kind of how we were saying Tom Cruise is that, um, you know, was sort of the only you know he's he's the action guy he's that draw you know like he can he can put bodies in a theater like no other action actor i think right um and i think christopher Nolan is the is the directing version of that I he's the filmmaking version of that and part of what's interesting is, is that i had down in my notes so one of the biggest knocks quote-unquote against spielberg for a long time before he moved into some more like schindler's list color purple mm-hmm. saving yeah. private ryan type stuff yeah. is that his movies were like popcorn movies that like they're they're entertainment they're not pretty much type thing yeah that's that's the yeah. big knock now the more i've read and learned about it he really was putting a lot of his own life thematically into those movies if you think about all yep. those movies they're all about like you know people with like out their fathers around or like yeah, right, like absentee yes. fathers and things like that which is really like for a long time we this isn't the steven spielberg podcast but that was like a big part of his life yeah and the big knock against him is he what he felt was was block blockbuster bias you know i I think he wasn't nominated for jaws maybe it was or a different movie for like best director best picture and there's a video of him being like 
this is blockbuster bias. Like they're 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 punishing me for being successful, basically. Christopher Nolan does not have any of that. I don't know if he's no. won any Oscars. I, I don't know. I don't know well, what his it's... nominations necessarily are, but his movies well, are considered like we could look at that in a second, but his movies like are considered, you know, at least some of them more like artistic, I think, than a lot of people would consider some of of, of Spielberg's biggest movies. And I, I think it's interesting. And his concepts are more complicated and more like scientific and philosoph- um, philosophical. But what they both have in common a lot is they're both generally focused on what's considered high concept. So high concept essentially means, doesn't mean like complicated. It means the, the concept is very clear from the movie. So a funny example is like Snakes in a Plane. You know, the, you hear the mm-hmm. title, you know what the movie's about. Yes. You say Inception, you say um, people who steal, who who like they're they're like dream robbers. You basically understand what the movie's about ostensibly. Right. So they're both focused on on high concept, where like it's not like small intimate movies for the most part. And but he then ties in these more complicated themes a little bit, where there's the science and there's the layers and there's the snowballing effect where things get more complicated. And so he has a little bit more of that like that more like high minded. Um, appeal around him a little bit again now inception to me is not like a high-minded movie i know people like to talk about how complicated it is i don't i don't i don't think that or like interstellar like the movie is not about like why they could go through wormholes it's not about that or even tenant there's an interview when he was when for um when tenant came out and people were saying you know like the plot's kind of confusing a little bit at times that on yep. purpose and he said with thrill and this is something we discussed last week with these type of thrillers you are supposed to be experiencing alongside with the characters, and at times that's right. the characters are confused. You're going to be confused. Now, again, that's a convenient uh, that's a convenient thing to say sometimes because that movie is a little, that movie actually is a little bit confusing. It's very but, confusing, but like I enjoyed it, you know. And you no, know, it, it is pretty confusing. I remember I had to watch YouTube it's, videos. It's after. very confusing. But, I had to read a lot about it after. It, but, it's confusing. But the, the, my point being that like that he makes these kind of a little bit more layered big movies but they're like people will still go to and they love and this movie i have people who see have not seen a movie in theater since the joker texting me saying let's go to let's go to oppenheimer Mm -hmm. together but i only want to see it in 70 millimeter imax i've never ever heard again i wasn't so focused in the movie game when when um when dunkirk came out so i don't know what the the imax the 70 millimeter i'm sure there was similar discourse to some extent this is like the only next s- level. People who don't have no clue about anything about movies are like, I want to watch this IMAX 70 millimeter. Oh, there's only 19 in the country. Fine, I'll settle. I'll settle. I'll yeah. settle for the regular 70 millimeter that that um that only has like 300 theaters in the world showing it or something right, crazy right. like that. And I'm caught up in that too because I'm like, listen, I'm now I'm a movie guy. Like I've always been a movie guy, but now it's like. I got to try to watch this movie at least in 70 millimeter, you know, at least the first time watch it in 70 millimeter. I can always watch it on my TV and in, in standard, but 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter. And this is like average people. So there's, he, he pulls something and this is a movie about Oppenheimer. This isn't like inception where it's like an action movie. Like this is a biopic yeah. that's three hours long. So he really but it's, it's, taps into something. It's more than that. Also, I think, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a biopic, but it's a biopic about, you know, uh, the team, the the person, the team responsible for the development of the nuclear weapon, right? Right. So it it, it people are like naturally going to be attracted to that, also, I think, right? Um, because of the gravity of the topic. But 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the 70 millimeter thing is funny, right? Because I kind of get caught up in it too. I'm like, well, I'm not going to go see it. Like when I'm looking at showtimes here in LA, I'm like, I'm not going to go see it in standard. <laughs> even if I have to wait a couple of nights, I'm going to see it in 70 millimeter. Like, even though I, you know, I, I know what the difference is, you know, in terms of the size of the film and whatever, but you know, it doesn't, I, I, I doubt it would impact my viewing experience that much, but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the whole way. Yeah, right? I, I think for those unaware, so I'm except the, the film is shot, on with two different cameras part of it being an imax camera on actual film and then a 65 millimeter camera which is like bigger than standard film again most a lot of movies now aren't even shot on film at all they're they're shot digital so this movie the the way to see it in the most ideal way is imax 70 millimeter but like i said there's only 19 in the in the country in the in the country is it really that city for example like is booked up like for an entire month legitimately are they so really like, only nuts? They're really only how many? How many did you say there were? Nineteen. Uh, most IMAXs are not real. Most IMAXs are not real. Like you're paying for a bigger screen, but it's not actually projecting a legitimate sound. IMAX. Yeah. Um, which I guess go get your refunds, guys. You've been lied to. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, <laughs> but then the next best thing is to see seventy millimeter because it was still shot on film, and apparently film has richer colors and different textures, etc. Um, even though some may argue that just seeing it on the biggest screen you possibly could see, which wouldn't be 70 millimeter, it would just be fake IMAX or RPX or whatever your local chain has might be better because you'll see more of the picture. But again, I don't know how much that actually matters, but the fact (laughs) that like, this is what people are like, the level of commitment people are having now, actually for for some people, it makes more sense where it's like my friend who's legitimately watches one movie a year. Like, yeah, yeah. He, might, he can wait a month to see this movie. He's fine waiting to August to see it in, in, in IMAX. Me, I kind of want to get going. But um, at the same time, I'm also like the one who 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 claims that I care about these smaller intricacies or maybe might might appreciate them. And I'm going to put might yeah. because, again, I actually want to see it maybe that way because it might be cooler. It's an experience. You don't always get to get that. I could always watch the standard on my TV more or less. So, yeah, but that's. I've only That's... seen one movie. I've only seen one movie in seven. I think I've only seen one movie in seventy millimeter, um, and I know. And it was it was Hateful Eight from mm, Tarantino. The Roadshow when was, he did like the Roadshow when he did the, right. So there was I was living in Toronto at the time, and he there was one theater that was doing the Roadshow, um, and I made a specific point of getting out at the time. I was very into into Quentin Tarantino, so I made a specific you know. I really planned it out that I would just go to that one theater, go to a showing there and see it in, in, in 70 millimeter. But when you're kind of, and this might be, you know, a bit of a, a tacky thing to say, you know, for, for people who, who love movies, but I guess when you're, when you have nothing to compare it to at the time, it's kind of weird to see the difference between 70 millimeter and, you know, like you said, most things are just digital now. Right. Um, so maybe this maybe the way to do it is you go to a seventy millimeter showing, and then a few days later you go to a regular standard. Uh, and legitimately, you know? that's I said to my friends, I'm like, listen, <laughs> I might not wait a month to see this, but if you get tickets to the IMAX, buy me one because I'm definitely gonna like I'll definitely see it a second time in IMAX, even if I don't even love the movie that much. Right, I'm willing right. to like because that like the IMAX like that's really when the guy who makes the movie is like this is the way to watch it. Again, it's a little bit annoying to make a movie that like is so hard to watch that way. It's a, but again he's very like concerned with like his yeah like artistic elements and he makes a big point about his love of like actually using film like analog film versus digital so i'll 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 indulge him and if i, I buy can. 
Right. And I like that too. Right. Cause again, Tarantino makes a big deal of that also 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter. And like, you know, for guys like us, like who would, you know, who obviously love the work and love the craft, like it, it's cool. And you're right. I mean, it, it is kind of annoying when, when they kind of say, you know, the only way you can see this movie is if you see it in, as you say, there's only 17 IMAX yeah, 70 like... or 19, whatever it was. Um, yeah. But uh, I was actually surprised that I was telling you last week that there were some empty seats um, on Thursday night in in Hollywood, there were some empty seats. Uh, even even like I was looking a couple hours before, there were a bunch of empty seats at a seventy millimeter show. Granted, I think it was a it was a ten p.m. showing, but still, yeah. people. I think I people think seventy millimeter like. Late. I I think that the seventy millimeter is not as hard because I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's not IMAX. I'd rather just watch it on the biggest screen. Right. Okay. I can't. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because, this is like, not. I'll IMAX. get more of the picture. Yeah. Like you know, right, they, right. They, they, Like you, you get more of the aspect ratio on certain sure. Shots, I guess whatever. that's again. Like I, you hear me talk about. I like the visuals or the movie making. There's certain yeah. elements that I claim to understand a modicum of. Like the difference between like aspect ratios and film quality. I really am am. Using the word novice would be overstating it. I so, also, yeah. You so, and I like, I really, like, I did some basic research online to, like, find out, like, what like what I'm really sacrificing if I go see it standard. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I couldn't see it this past week anyways. Like, I'll, like, wait a little bit to see how things turn out. Yeah. Um, okay. That's kind of the Oppenheimer pep talk. Yeah. But... You know, a little bit other, and, and the Nolan kind of the Nolan uh, mythos a little bit as well. But I, I'm wondering, like, so you said the Dark Knight's your favorite Nolan movie is what you think? If you had to pick one, yeah, the Dark Knight's my favorite Nolan movie. Don Kirk is is I think definitely my number two. And you know, it's funny you're you, you're talking very highly of Interstellar. I I actually don't. I I really. Yeah, and I've seen it a couple of times, and and I saw it in theaters when it came out. Um, I I don't love it. I find it um, I find it a little bit depressing, actually. It is. It's very. Depressing. It is, and I understand, right? And I understand that that's that that's you know, that, you know that is the the plot of the movie, right? You were talking about it's, it's a father. It's really a father. It's a father daughter movie, sort of set in the backdrop of uh, you know space travel and time yeah. travel and however you want to describe it. I don't. I don't know. I never. I never. I didn't like it when I saw it. I didn't like it when I rewatched it. Um, and uh, I felt the same way about um, about Tenet. Obviously, you know. I mean, I. Mm. It, it was just. It was very confusing to me. And I'm not usually one of these people that that gets. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to be sitting next to you in the theater going, "Wait, what? Just, you know, what? What? I don't get that." <laughs> right? Like that's not my. I. I don't do that. Um, and I really. Tenant did not do it for me. Um, so I, you know, I, Interstellar and Tenant are, are are pretty low for they're, they're I think they're at the bottom of that Nolan uh, uh you know, the Nolan hierarchy. And I actually I genuinely don't really like them that much as movies, to be honest. I yeah, even outside of that. And I know I was kind of talking about before how much I love Christopher Nolan, so that should show you how much I love the rest of his movies. Yeah, no, for but, sure. Yeah. And like I I actually um, so he's an. Uh, it's interesting because he's kind of like, like I was saying, he's the modern day king. If you think about it, yeah. in terms of important movie making since the year two thousand, mm-hmm. it's hard to talk about it without him. It's basically impossible to talk about it without him in terms of critical success, financial success, cultural impact. Like, I think across the board, he kind of covers those. 
And yeah. think about how many movies have tried to be the Dark Knight since. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's yeah. So he's the guy. He's the guy. But also, it's very kind of refreshing when I've realized I've seen it all all his major movies. I haven't seen the movie following. Maybe I'll try to fire that up. I haven't I it's hard to find, but maybe I'll try to watch it. Um, by the way, Dunkirk is available on Netflix and HBO Max right now. If you Google it, it'll say that it's not available there to quote yes. alone. To quote alone, found it's, Bar- it's, Bar- it's Barbie <laughs> suppression. Bar- yeah. the Barbie suppression campaign against against um about uh, against um. It's very hard Nolan, to find Christopher but, Nolan movies right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's very nice to have been able to see the entire, you know, body of work of one director and see kind of the connections. You know, for someone like Steven Spielberg, the guy's made 35 mo- like major yeah. motion pictures. Yeah. I've seen like 12 of them. Like I've seen a lot of them, but like there's so many more. And like I'm probably not going to get to watch all of them because like there's other good movies. And something yeah. we mentioned before which I wanted to touch on about like, you know, I gave them to harken back to Dunkirk for a second, yeah. you know, with my scoring 78, pretty good score. I'd like to think of it like scoring is like a normal curve where it's like most scores are going to fall around like the 65 to 70 range, you know, but that's not really true because I'm watching mostly good movies, you know? So like most of my scores are going to fall around the 75 range and right, some that's... will be below and some will be, but I'm really very rarely watching a bad movie. Like um like a like a truly bad movie unless there are movies I don't always well, like but it's rare that I tune into a movie that's a bad movie. Well, I'd be curious now that you're saying that, and, and I think what you're saying makes sense. But I'd be curious because I think you also said you found Tenet to be very confusing. I would be curious if you if you were what you would rate that movie. I mean, I would, would imagine would, you would no, have to so you would I, have to do a rewatch. I'm sure. Uh, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it a number, but yeah, when I came out of the theater, I remember liking it. I remember. Not being as confused as some of my friends, um, but then also watching some YouTube videos that like explained other things. I actually liked yeah. it on more of the level of like a spy thriller with the fact okay. that I also really like and at the time was pumping myself up for for Robert Pattinson, just the Robert Pattinson of it all. I was really pumping myself up. Yeah. Like Robert Pattinson's that guy. Like I know people like to I've never seen Twilight, but I know people like to be like it's bad actor Twilight. And at that time, it was like, no, this is the time to get ready for one of the most important movies yeah. that I've seen in the last five years, which is The Batman, which I really love that movie. Yeah. So, like, that was, like, kind of like... Me too. And John David Washington, I think his name is, is in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's He was cool. actually... T- he's cool. Yeah, he's he actually is good in that movie. And yeah. I think he's a really good actor, and he's really watchable, right? Like, I enjoy watching him. Yeah. He, um, But it was just the plot. I, I just... I, I don't know. I just didn't have it for me. Looking back at it, I don't remember anything about that movie. Right, exactly. You know, but that the same being that being said, all the other Christ, Christopher Nolan movies that I've seen, um, besides, I guess now Dunkirk and yep. um, Interstellar and following, I've seen a bunch of times. So it's a little bit like I've seen Inception or parts of Inception so many times. So yeah, it's a me little too. Bit unfair, yeah. Unfair, but so you're putting Interstellar as your number one? I don't know if I am. I have to think about it because. Um, not that you have to put a not that no, I'm I, I would trying have to pay you into a corner. Give, I, I don't know if I, I don't curious. know if I could um I think it's his most emotionally effective movie for sure. And I think I that's, that's probably that's I think that's probably that's true. That's probably irrefutable, right? Because I, yeah, yeah, and I, I think it matters because it's like for me, like the different like some of like the superlatives I, I like to think about for movies is like, did this movie make me feel the way it wanted to make me feel? Did this make yeah. did this movie make me feel 
anything, you know? Did it um did it make me want to make things? That's a big thing. That right. That's yeah. That's yeah. like that's like the highest and, level. And, oh, oh, and by oh, the and, way, by the way, since you've told me that, which was a while ago already, it was probably a few months ago that you said, yeah. you know, does this movie make me want to create? That that's a really good it, it's a really good um barometer for how much you enjoy a movie and how much a movie affects you right and now i think about movies a lot that way too it's just when i watch something I'm like does this movie make me want to go out and write something right go out and just be in like yeah and it's i, it's, I think that might be it, more of a function of us though because like some people have no be. interest of that at all <laughs> right. but it's like it I think, is. <laughs> certainly is everyone yeah. else listening is like what are these guys talking yeah. about um but i think it left me feeling a lot and i think that that's yeah. like that's important in a movie. Not every movie needs that. Inception, like, I don't... Again, now, I watched Inception when I was younger. That's another thing. When I was watching movies when I was 12 or 13, I wasn't yeah. really paying attention to themes or emotions. I was necessarily... I was thinking more about the movie in terms of its plot and things like that. And that movie has cool plot, cool action, etc. Yep. It has interesting themes as well. Like, you know, also similarly, like, getting over guilt um what we do for our family like things like that also yep. and then on top of it the concept of time and and different you know overlapping stories in a way because like things are happening at different speeds if you think about it it's different pace of time the different dreams um but so to inception yeah. to me was kind of i liked it also i saw it in theaters it's what what year did inception come out 2008 2012 oh is it that it's no no, no no i'm wrong that's when dark knight came out um, Inception yeah. came out 2010. 2010. Okay. So, yeah, I did see it in theaters and I remember liking it, but there was so much hype around that movie when it came out. Um, I don't know if you remember that. There was so much Inception hype. I was young. Right? I remember my brother it, talking about it, but like I was too young to be aware. Right, of right. Okay. Yeah, there was so much hype around it. And I remember thinking, this is a really, this is a good movie. I really enjoyed this movie, but never loving it to the level that the masses like claim to love it. Right. Um, but you know, I, I do actually really like it a lot. I've seen it a couple of times since then. Um, and the the thing I really like about Inception is that, um, and I, I you know I guess I guess let's take momentum out memento out of it for a second. But up until that point, um, if you think about what Christopher Nolan and the movies that he did, so we're talking about. Um, the first two Batmans, because Dark Knight Rises hadn't come out yet, mm-hmm. um, and The Prestige, right? And I, it, and to me, Inception was really his. Like, I'm just going to go for this. Like, yeah. this is it was a risk taking movie, right? Because the concept is kind of crazy. It also was and, the first one that's like a real it, his own idea besides Moment, like because Insomnia he didn't write. Well, that's what I'm Batman saying. Besides Batman, Memento, right? He, and then Prestige is based he wrote off Memento, of Memento, right? What? Right. Him and his brother. He, he wrote Memento. Though, yeah, right? him and his brother. I think. Okay. To some whatever they okay. they're, they're yeah, co-workers yeah. in that regard. Syncope, whatever that. What are they? What's that? What's their? Yeah, that's the, something like that. Is it the two of them? <laughs> yeah, something. I don't, it's. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's not pronounced that way, but I do know. What you're yeah, right. Same. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really like I like Inception. I mean, it's it's it's. I think it's a really good movie, and I appreciate I appreciated what what he was trying to do and in hindsight even more right because as i've gone more into the nitty-gritty of movies and you know the passion has grown makes me appreciate it even more so i, I rank inception pretty highly yeah i think that's that's going to wrap up our little talk about christopher nolan um 
And we're just going to end off with some, you know, if you like these Christopher Nolan movies and we're going to list, go through them, maybe check out these and we'll, we'll keep it quick. Cause we've, I feel like we've run kind of long. Um, oh, I yeah. be wrong about that, but we'll see. Um, so let's just start with Dunkirk, you know, alone. You mentioned yeah. you, you, you might have a couple. Yeah. You know, it's at, at first I had, at first I only had two and then I don't know, all of a sudden this morning, more started popping into my mind. So the first one that, that I, that I think is, I think if you like Dunkirk, I think you would really like Sicario. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I, I like I, Sicario I, a lot. Right. I, I, I mean, I didn't know that, but I, I had a feeling you would find this one interesting. Um, I assumed that you had seen it. Um, Pitch me the case here. So to me, it's... Okay, so when I'm thinking about sort of um, these wide panning shots of, let's say, in the case of Dunkirk, panning across the beach with the columns of soldiers standing on the beach or the English Channel, right, and the planes uh, dogfighting over the English Channel. Like To me, there were a lot of shots like that in Sicario, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like scenes over the border, over the U.S.-Mexico border, just showing the lineup, you know, that overhead showing the lineup of all the cars waiting on the border, just these desert scenes sort of panning across the desert, right? So to me, that was kind of from from a... you know, I guess you can call it a cinematography standpoint. That was one thing that I found similar uh, that jumped into my head. The other part of it is Sicario is kind of a, and you described Dunkirk as a bit of a roller coaster earlier. Sicario is kind of like that also, right? Where it has these incredibly, these incredible bursts of intensity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just has these lulls, but they're still interesting lulls and they're tense lulls, but they're definitely, you know, they're breaks, right? They're kind of yeah. letting the viewer catch their breath, right? Um and I thought that in that sense, those two movies were, were kind of similar and had a had a similar vibe there. So I think if you like Dunkirk, um, I think Sicario, I think Sicario would, would fit that bill nicely. The other obvious one um is is nineteen seventeen, which came yeah, out. Yeah, and that's the one I, I, I I've I've listed. That was okay. Oh sorry. So I'll let you, you I'll let you, you know, explain. I, I mean, go on, go on that one. I think it's it's very kind of similar, where it's like a tense war movie. It also kind of mm-hmm. plays with time in an interesting way, where it's kind of trying to like show things in in real time, so to speak. The cinematography in that movie is incredible. The whole thing is meant to look like yeah. one take, except there's mm-hmm. one sequence where there's like he, where there's like a right. clear cut. But yeah. besides that, like it's all like kind of. Um, Go go go! I actually prefer that movie a little bit. Oh, okay, when I in my mind, I, I I'm not comparing them apples to apples because I saw one last night. I saw one when it came yeah. out in theaters, but I I like 1917 more because it does have more of that human element. Um, so you I, know, I, think, I wonder if yeah, I think I oh, like sorry. that aspect of it more. Yeah, go just ahead. to go on a, on a on a slight tangent here while you're talking about 1917. You know, I wonder if if a movie like, and I'm sure Sam Mendes would take offense to this comment, but <laughs> I, I I wonder if I wonder if a movie like 1917 gets made without Dunkirk, right? Because there is a, I there I understand is, what you're saying. You know what I mean? And when I made that comment earlier about how um, about how Dunkirk kind of changed the game, but I you know, I thought that was a little bit dramatic because nothing's really come after that. Maybe that's not necessarily true because 1917. I was thinking 1917. Kind of similar. You said that. Except my only, my only, you know, counter to myself on that would be um, the character development piece, right? Because 1917 is very character centric, right? Yes. Um, and obviously Dunkirk is really not. So, yeah. But right. I, I know what you mean in terms of like, 
like the isolation and like tension it's trying to do like there's 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 certain aspects of similarity there um let's let's just move in sure in um in i guess movie order do you have anything yeah. for, for memento lovers to recommend for memento yeah i do have one um and you know to be honest i'm still fleshing it out of my head so i'm not exactly sure why but when i think about memento and i haven't i haven't seen it um i haven't seen it so recently so it's probably been you know three four years or something um is actually mulholland drive kind of comes to mind interesting um, i mean i understand yeah. where you're coming from there's the amnesia right? <laughs> the amnesia play i've never seen mulholland exactly. drive there's the amnesia and there's also there's... like there's more to the story than you think at first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Things are, you know, things exactly nothing that the, the cards aren't revealed um, really until the end. Right. In the yeah. case of Mulholland Drive, it's a little bit more open to interpretation as to what exactly is, is going on. Is that like a David yeah, Lynch movie? It is. Yeah. It's a David right. Lynch movie. Um, and it's uh, it's with Naomi Watts and Justin Theroux. But, um, you know, there's also something, there's a way, um, and it could be that they came out around the same time, I think. When I say the same time, I mean within a couple of years of each other, um, I think. But there's just, you know, I know Memento, it, it does, I'm pretty sure it takes it takes place in LA. I know it's definitely filmed in LA, but it takes place in LA also. Um, and Mulholland Drive obviously takes place in LA. Just the way, the way Christopher Nolan and the they way David Lynch... Are like- paying homage to some neo-noir stuff right oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly that's, I, I that's actually, another good i like this uh this call i've never seen now yeah um you know warning i've never <laughs> yeah. seen i've never seen um mahan drive but i kind of i see the vision yeah. um i'm gonna run through a couple here because i sure. know you, yeah, um, you go. I, I i didn't i didn't really prepare alone for this topic so much i told him like an hour before we were recording and i had been thinking about it in my head all day so it was a little bit unfair um, so for Tenant, I was thinking about 12 Monkeys, kind of. Tenant, time travel, saving the world from something bad that's going to happen in the future. You've never seen 12 Monkeys. I haven't little seen plug, it, yeah. Little plug for a future episode where mm-hmm. after Amongst Friends, we're going to be doing the 12 Monkeys episode. Um, that's going to be the next episode after Amongst Friends that Pinchas is on. So hopefully it's in two episodes if all goes well. Um, unless we stick in like a, a Barbie Oppenheimer episode as like a me and alone uh, Which we might. You never Which know. We might. We definitely might. <laughs> you um, never know. <laughs> but Twelve Monkeys, excellent movie. I'm not going to say too much because we're going to do it on an episode for Memento. Sure. I I actually had this movie Side Effects. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's no. a Steven Soderbergh movie with like Channing Side Tatum. Effects. It. I don't remember it so well, but I remember there's like the story's kind of told out of order, and it has a little bit of that aspect. There's a thriller like murder aspect to it as well. So. I'm going to recommend that solid movie Um, for insomnia. I'm going to check out, I'm going to mention wind river Um, insomnia. Excellent movie. So if you haven't seen insomnia, check that out. I mentioned it before, but wind river, both are kind of about someone killed in a small town. It's cold in both. Well, one takes place in Alaska, which isn't actually necessarily that cold. The other one takes place in Wyoming in the winter. There's like the FBI element. There's like kind of, there's more than meets the eye. Just a good movie. They both have a little bit of like a, mystery going on wind wind river yeah. excellent episode um yeah. excellent Wait, so we episode. have two excellent movie we have two uh it's really we have two taylor sheridan uh um plugs here eh? yeah I said yeah Sicario taylor, for... <laughs> taylor sheridan i mean he's no joke he's he's the real deal yeah um 
for Interstellar, I, I would recommend Ad Astra. It's a little bit of a slower movie. I don't know if Ooh, you've seen it. One. It's have, also yeah. it's also like a it's a space movie, but this is also kind of a tale of a father and son. I would compare Ad Astra. I thought of this comparison today. I'm sure it's been made by others. It's a little bit like a father son apocalypse now set in space <laughs> where someone needs to like go stop someone who's went rogue or else all sorts of things are going to go bad and he's sort of on a solo mission and it's stressful and kind of slow but really cool and artistic good movie um the most confident one i'm gonna say is for the prestige you should check out the illusionist they both came I out at the this. same time and this is we this happens in Hollywood every once in a while where movies come out at the same time and they're kind of like similar concepts. Um the one that comes to mind is Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached. That's like a famous example. The I was illusion is Armageddon starring... and, and Deep Impact. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean um, spoke. <laughs> yeah. People forget I did a double feature on that movie on a Wednesday night like two months ago. Oh yeah. What a Wednesday night it was. It was like three months ago, but still. Um, the Prestige, and so for The Illusionist, I mean, it's an Edward Norton movie. Um, Paul G. Miley's in it. I don't know if that sells it for you, but it's a movie also about a, he's an illusionist, so sort of like a magician, and there's kind of a mystery about it. I would say The Prestige is better. Um, I like The Prestige quite a bit, but I think The Illusionist does not get enough love. And um, Edward Norton, I mean, Edward Norton's the homie. He's awesome. So that's that's kind of my plug on that movie. Um, I haven't seen the movie following, so I, I have nothing to say for that one. And, and Batman's Batman, so I'm not really gonna try to plug anything for right. for Batman's. Um, if you like Dark Knights, so. if you yeah. if you like Dark Knight, see the Batman with Robert. You know Pattinson, what? Actually, I don't. Before. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that that's true because a lot of people are so? like criticism of the Batman. They'll be like, I love the Dark Knights, and they're so different. And I'm like, well. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm done listening to you. <laughs> but it was a it was more of a return to tone than the Ben Affleck ones, I thought. Oh, I mean, we don't. That's a that's a podcast for a different. Yeah, day, yeah, yeah. But, but... Um, yeah. So, like we mentioned, hopefully, beginning of next week, amongst friends comes at you. Watch the movie; it's on Tubi for free. I'm very glad to say I've had people reach out to me and say, in preparation for the episode, we have listened to amongst friends. I had to tell them the bad news that they're going to have to wait another week. Yeah, but. Good things come to those that wait. And that yes. includes me alone because we're ready to talk about this episode. Yes. I know Pinchas is. We're, yeah. we're chomping at the bit to talk about it amongst We're already. This is not a joke. Watch the movie. Then um, 12 Monkeys. We have our next couple movies planned out, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll get them to you um, probably at the end of the next episode. We'll, we'll finalize our schedule a little bit. Um, please follow us on Twitter. Rate, like, rate, like subscribe to the podcast. Share it with friends. If you know friends who like Dunkirk or Christopher Nolan, send it their way maybe they'll care about what we have to say even if they don't force them to listen to it um out of admiration for us of course and i'm yisrael that's alone this is off screen on film and same time same place until next time peace